Simmons. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hello, Lunchtime listeners. Welcome to the second ever podcast of the Lunchtime Catch-Up Show. My name is Grant Hill, and with me as always, my good friend and well-known Essendon man, Scotty McNeese. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in for the second podcast. For those who've missed our podcast last week, Scott and I have been best friends for about 30 years now. Um, we work together in the Melbourne CBD. Uh, each day we catch up for lunch and discuss a heap of different topics surrounding sport, movies, uh, and the headline topics in the newspapers. Uh, we thought it'd be a really good idea to move this onto a weekly podcast and see if people like it. Uh, today we wanted to hand over a podcast to listeners uh, and let them set our agenda. So today we sent out a tweet and a post on Facebook to find out what's on their minds. Thanks to everybody for sending out your questions and for your messages uh, of support, especially for the first podcast. We look forward to having some exciting guests over the next month. Keep an eye out for those when our new equipment arrives t- to take the podcast to another level. Uh, so before we begin with questions, Scott, let's just do a recap of the Essendon game and other results on the weekend in the AFL. You talked last week about the players having a more professional approach um, to the game this week. Did you like what you saw on Saturday and go? Yeah, look, I really, really liked what I saw. Um, probably everything that I was mentioning in the first podcast, um, really, that got carried out. Um, as I mentioned, I really felt like Heppel was going to have almost a BOG performance. And gee, he was really, really solid, came out like a proper leader. Um, but just every quarter we attacked, um, even when Collingwood were coming at us, we threw up the wall, we, we um, defended really hard, we didn't let them get too much momentum. Um, so look, I was really, really impressed, but look, the key part I'm really impressed with is, is the midfield. I thought Job was spectacular, um, Heppel was great, Saharakis is really coming on strong, just really running across the ground, and, and when he get, adds that sort of goal kicking, and with obviously Zach Merritt kicking two goals as well, that's when we really look dangerous, and they're a really good midfield, so... Um, they should be really proud of themselves. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I looked at Job's game sort of when I first watched it and he was his typical sort of understated bottom of the pack kind of self. But as you sort of mentioned to me, we, we, I watched him again for the second time and I watched the the pressure acts, the clearances that he got. And I think he's averaging something like 25 possessions over the last four games or something like that. And I guess it's people are looking at him going, will he go around? Will, won't he go around? I Absolutely, he's going to go around at 25 possessions and that kind of experience and respect um, that he gets within the Essendon side. Absolutely, I want him around. Well, the key part for me was I was watching him closely in the last quarter and uh, he was running across the ground really well. So he didn't look tired to me, uh, which is a really big step. Uh, So from all reports, he's really enjoying his time at, at footy again and at the club. So I have absolutely no reason why he doesn't play on another year. We'll talk about some other sort of the returning players a bit later on with some of the questions because that's probably some others that have a little bit sort of um, a a tougher decision to make regarding their future. But gee, Job is really, really impressing me and, and Happel really impressed and... And hey, how good is our forward line looking with uh, with Fantasia and Fantasia? I think is taking with every game that he plays, he's taking further steps ahead to becoming an elite kind of. Let's not get excited and say Eddie Betts, but becoming a really elite small forward. Like he's 
He can present and take marks. He's brilliant off the ground. He's lightning quick. I meant I, I did um, notice a couple of times when I was watching him how quickly the when the ball hits the ground and if he's chasing it, maybe he gets knocked over, maybe he loses his feet, but how quickly he regains his feet and balance and actually gets back to the ball and can influence um, possessions as well. So I love those two guys. I just want to go back on the on the midfield for one quick sec, quick second. I guess. What do you think about my thoughts on the fact that Job might be actively taking a backward step with regards to having to get 35 touches every week? Because, okay, if he's, if he's not going to be around there forever, of course, is he, is he trying to deliberately take a step back so Heppel can shine, so Zarakis can get more possessions, so that... Parish when he's when they want to move him through the midfield can get more time because I just I wonder whether or not he's making conscious decisions to uh, to bring other players into the game and the coaches are doing the same thing giving more time in the middle to Myers and and those other players. Look, I, I see your point. I still see him a little bit um, as his old self. He's doing a lot more bullocking work and he's famous for that, but his grunt work has been really, really strong this year. Each each week you see how high his tackle count is. Um, so he's the, the hard work off the ball um, is definitely um, something I see as a massive positive for him this year. But Parrish actually played a little bit forward more this week. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I think at the moment with Myers coming in, uh, Wush has gone with a little bit of the experience, the the real guns. Mm. And hey, Myers, 30, 32 disposals. And that kind of grunt to, I guess, compliment Job um, really came through for me. Like, mm. he was, again, in the clearances, in the hard stuff, even in the last quarter, had some big moments. Um, and you can't, you know, you just can't question how important that kind of experience is and that, that kind of 6-3 frame that's mm. that's huge around the ball. He had a sense of urgency about him, Myers. Yeah. He really had a sense of urgency about getting the ball, getting rid of it, getting to the next play, um, which I really liked from Myers. I'm not, I'm not saying that he hasn't done that in the past, but he really looks like a guy who is keen to play AFL, really wants to impress at that AFL level. And looks fit as a fiddle, and he's really got a sense of urgency about the way he plays. And it, it, that those kind of six three bodies are worth their weight in gold. Um, that allows the the smaller guys on the outsides of the packs to to run because him and that massive left foot um, when he uses it um, is incredibly handy um, when it's on the bottom of the pack. And when you've got another six footer plus in Watson plus Heppel, you've got a really good midfield. Speaking of midfields, where does ours rate? Where does it rate in the comp? It's a tough one because statistically, the, as they before a fight, fortnight ago, it was probably seventeenth. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, but it is, you know, with the guys in there and the talent, it shouldn't be. No, and that's I right. think I think the last two or three weeks, it, it, they've started to click. Um, they start to understand each other's game, each other's yeah. role, and they're actually getting match fit. And what Wush is asking to more of an elite level. So, yeah. um, next just comes closing out the games, which we've just discussed before but yeah. with that game that was their mental approach is what I've been sort of wanting for for these type of games where they got the fast start gonna, they held it and they that. closed it out yeah I was going to ask uh, you to explain what the professionalism side of things what do you mean by the professionalism was there in this game what do you mean it means you're you're starting the game you're well on top you are the better team 
And but to actually win the game, you have to have the same intensity and the same concentration. Um, and the same sharing the ball and being a team and not playing selfish football for the whole game. And if you do that, you win the game. So yeah. that's it's a very disciplined approach. It means no one has like a, a shining moment or role or um, no one's the elite star takes out, tries to take over a game. Everyone does their role to an elite level. Yeah. And when you do that, you win. Because like I said before, the frustration was with fans is that we are talented. Yeah, so, I agree, yeah. So we're losing very, very winnable games. And in the, in the fortnight before, Collingwood, very, we actually were well on top um, in, in sort of in both scenarios to the last quarter. So it's just a matter of then getting that kind of ruthless mental approach to say, now we're just going to close this team out, finish them off, and look, to win by 37 was really impressive. And look, as a little smoky, I'm really enjoying Stewart's game. I'm really... Stewart in the forward line is, is, I think, is really, really important to Joey's development. I agree. Um, Hooksy, again, as well, is, is, is very important. But Stewart's now moving really well. Yeah. And, and he's, he's marking up the field a lot, helping out, but getting back. And look, if he wants to keep kicking those two or three goals... And he's creating <laughs> that contest. I mean, those yeah. two or three goals are really worth their weight in gold. You've got Raz, you've got Waller, you've got Greeny at, at, his, at his feet as well. But... The one thing I like about Stewart is, is what you just said as well, is that when he first started, he was a bit sort of one-dimensional. He led at the ball, and if if that wasn't on, he really didn't influence yeah, the game didn't, much. Yeah, it didn't impact the game. But now I think he's 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 maybe it's it's got those those offensive patterns that they run where maybe it's not on, so he circles back around and he um, he. He, he moves better in the forward 50 and presents more often. Even his pressure acts are up. So. Yeah, absolutely. His pressure acts are up. So I think it's 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 really positive signs in the forward line. We're well, ranked we've, very highly there. We now have, on schedule, four forwards to kick over 30 goals for the year. And I cannot How remember... How many other clubs have got that? Yeah, I cannot remember an Essendon side that has yeah. had four forwards kicking over 30 goals. Yeah. Now, Joey's probably going to kick closer to 55. Yeah. But the other guys are going to kick, you know, your 30s and 40s. Um, Fantasia probably around the 40 mark and, and Mars is amazing yeah. that's so amazing it's a really positive sign um, our scoring has just not been a problem yeah but hey our field kicking was good I thought our defence held up really well actually Kelly has been such a fine for us yeah his leadership in the back line just just that, having him next to a guy like McGrath is worth its weight in gold is a coach is it basically an yeah. experienced coach on the ground yep and um, and hey, that one play from McGrath with the three or four bounces through the middle—that's that's the little. Well, we got a lot to look. Yeah, that's to. the little vision we have as a yeah. midfielder, and he'll get that confidence up. Um, but he continually now racks up a twenty possessions. And look, I thought his game was really mature. I thought at the start, he sometimes he was he was caught on um, Elliot, and Elliot is a very very clever player, and he, and and he sort of found him out a few times. But I love that McGrath learnt very quickly, and then and then he actually beat him in the end. Yeah, you you corrected me earlier when we were talking about this in that I said, do you reckon McGrath would have uh, had a, a lesson given to him, or wish you would have spoken to him? And you actually very good point. He said, Grant, the lesson was learnt by McGrath in thirty minutes. He said because after quarter time, nothing happened. Yeah, and uh, he's that kind of professional and that kind of special player. And that he would have realised what he was what he was watching, and he he, he got in front of uh, Elliot a few times. I saw in that first quarter, but he still got beaten by Elliot in that first quarter. 
whatever he did, whatever changes he did, a la um, Ainsworth in the TAC final, he just he tightened up, knew what he had to do, and Elliot was wasn't a factor for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, really, really uh, a special player on that one. All right, so that's pretty much that's our Essendon little little sum up for you. Just quickly, big big game this week against the Saints. Uh, you got Membry obviously out suspended. Huge game. Um, look, the St Kilda is a team that can can actually beat us up pretty badly. They've actually had some big wins against us in in sort of recent history because they're a fast team, but we typically weren't fast back then, and they would really sort of outrun us. But I think we're a little bit of a better matchup. The last year we've closed them up. Um, definitely closed the gap a lot better. So it's going to be a very interesting game. The two six-day break is a little concerning, um, but I really liked how we rested Leuenberger and Day and Begley and, and, and these guys from the VFL. So if there's any guys who are tired, we have we pretty much rested five of our, I guess, next elite VFL players mm. to be ready. And that's, again, back to professionalism. That's where I was really pleased with the club. We're really set for this game against the Saints. If we need to make change, we've got it right there and then. Uh, there was an Age article today talking about Begley possibly coming in. We're yeah. talking about Begley. My man Begley, by the way. My man. <laughs> Grant calls him. Yeah. Um, so he's from our area too, the Furniture Gully boys. Yes, so. he's a Furniture Gully. He's a dirty, great big unit from Furniture Gully. We love him. We um, love him. And he could literally be the steal of the last five years. I'm calling it the Begley, <laughs> oh, yeah. the fridge could be the steal of the last five years and no one knew he was playing <laughs> up in some dust bowl in Fundry Gully somewhere except <laughs> was it Darren, Darren Buick. Buick yeah, it was yeah. Darren Buick. Went up there and said, check out the size of this kid. He's kicking every goal in the world and they took a, they took a gamble on him. I reckon it's going to pay off in a big way. I think so. I think he's a very good player coming through. He le- he's learning very fast. Um, he's kicking goals in the VFL. He seems to be Physical in the right attributes. spot. So. Look, if he plays, great. Um, I would suspect if he did play, then you'd probably see Green out. Just Green's looked a little bit tired lately. Again, had just the 11 possessions, one, influenced the game one tackle, much, no yeah. shots on goal. So yeah. he, he's probably due just for a little bit of a rest, even if it's for one week just to, to get some fitness. But um, hey, let's, uh, let's go into our listeners' questions, eh? Cool. Um, we got some great questions uh, posted just on, uh, from the listeners. Um, we really appreciate your feedback on these guys. It's... Uh, it's great to understand and hear, hear directly from our listeners. So the first question we've got is from Wayne Hewitt on Twitter, who asks, what should Essendon be looking for in the next draft? What sort of player, what type, what positions, what should be the priority? Midfield. <laughs> All right, then. Um, so let's move on to the next one. No, midfield. Okay, Look, so but dude, we've, we've, drafted, we've drafted a lot of mids. We have. Um, look, I always, say, I, I, always, well. I always say that for the first pick. I, I, and I'm more looking towards the the Joe Watson, the Goddard, these guys who will be probably retiring in the next one to three years. Um, so you've got to still look at the midfield as a whole. And I always believe that midfield rotations are about around about eight to ten. And you know, you look at the Hawthorns who had success; they had eight stars in the midfield. So yes, people say, "Oh, we've got McGrath, we've got Parrish." We've got a few, and we have. We've got Heppel, Zach Merritt. We've got a few coming yeah. through. Um, but I still feel like we need a bit more polish, whether it's through trade or draft. That's the, that's the question. I'm happy for if it's a trade. Um, I'm happy. If it's Dusty. I mean, look, if it's Kelly or yeah, if it's <laughs> Dusty, then I'm more than happy. Um, okay. But uh, I still feel like that's an area we need to get some more elite players on. 
Um, that's my personal view because our bookends, our defense, oh, and our forwards are, are close to young. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you can, a lot of games are won in the midfield. I always believe you got to have as much elite talent in that midfield. Yeah. So I, I think we're one or two stars away from really being a force. And I guess we've got young, talented bookends. We've got uh, Joey, and we've got Hurley, and we've got those guys, and that's great. But I guess do we have any young, up and coming mids? in the VFL that can't get a game yet. I guess all of our picks, Zach Merritt, Darcy Parrish, um, Aaron Francis is going to come through very soon, but our mids that we've drafted are all playing, which is great. Um, well, you've got you've got Kobe Much, um, who, yes, Kobe, who, yes. who's actually going really well in the VFL. Every time you see the VFL stats, you always see Kobe Much between 20 and 25 possessions every, every time, which is a great sign. And look, just a little tip I have, and this is Bu- Darren Buick saying that this kid's going to play 200 games is Dylan Clark. Now, I've watched the kid. Now, every, Essendon fans who go to the VFL game will clearly know his left boot needs work. It needs a lot of development. Um, but I love players who know where the ball's going to be and are always where the ball is. And this guy is a clearance machine. He's strong over the ball. Um, and I just really rate this kid. There's something about him. He's got, I love guys that have a great footy IQ. And this is one guy. And actually, much is a little bit the same. Just okay. you, see, you see a ball there and you just see those guys always at the end of it. See ball, get ball. So we've got, so we've got some definite talent coming through. And I guess the, the, the other key position player that we've got sitting in the VFL who could be, uh, who could be, yeah, could be moving forward a little bit is our mate Ridley. Yeah, Frenchy Galley Boy. Frenchy Galley Boy. <laughs> Scotty, I know you rate him in a big way. Actually, my sister knows him well. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I didn't tell you that. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the family um, are actually good friends, so they all celebrated when he got to Essendon. But, um, nice. But, nice. yeah, Ridley's a, he's a real find. Like who, uh, I know Mark What injury Hutton, did he have? So he had the, the, the lower back injury. Okay. So it, to, from what I hear from the club, it wasn't overly serious but they wanted to be very very cautious being obviously an 18 9 year old kid but since he's come back he's been um he's been absolutely starring so um and again a lot of possessions a lot of marks a lot of and um, composed like there's some players you watch and you know the afl players and so when i watch ridley and i see that kind of composure and he's just that early in his career he sees the ground really well and just delivers the ball very easy like it's 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 so uncomplicated for him the game and those are the kind of players that go I just looked at him and went oh yeah you're an AFL that's going to transfer to the AFL <laughs> that's going to transfer it yeah he's an AFL player so right. next question mids mids and we've got some good stuff coming through uh, next question comes from Matt Nemec um, or Nemec which depends on which side of punt road you're born on who asks about the potential retirements for Essendon and who are the next guys in line to come up from the VFL to play seniors um, we actually got asked to cover the VFL team a lot up um, so let's get let's discuss this first and then go on to likely retirements well we've we'll probably, we'll probably talked a little bit now we have rather, mentioned guys look the VFL teams actually had a, a little bit like the seniors had a bit of an indifferent year so because there's a lot of talent back there and uh, I always sort of joked on Twitter that you know we know how the seniors are going to go by watching the VFL because it seems to be just this odd year where the VFL have a, a very poor game and 
and the seniors seem to pack it up and then suddenly the VFL team will have a, like an outstanding game and then for some reason the seniors play up you know play through the roof so and it's it's weird because the VFL game that we just beat well the Northern Bullants I believe they played um, and that was with no players like they took out um, Begley and Lewenberger and yeah but they're, the, they're even worse than <laughs> this team is pretty bad that we team, we've played so oh, okay, it was right. a team we probably should have towered up and, and we did it so um, I'm happy about that um I was trying to think of who the players that played well. I want Morgan. <laughs> I, I want I want Morgan to play. I want Morgan to play a lot of games. I, I like the elite speed the kid's got. Yeah, he's an interesting one. He, I was trying to... I was thinking even today about Morgan and go, what is it that's not translating to AFL? Because he's got great pace. He's actually, I would say, one in the top five kicks in the club. Mm. So his skill level's through the roof. But, is there a spot for But there's ball-finding ability that he, again, has to develop. Okay. And so it, it is a little bit of a concern that when you see at the end of the game, he just hasn't found the ball that much. But if you look at Cock, he's a speedster. That's his, that's his point of difference. That's the thing that's going to get him a game. If you look at him and Collier, Collier's not exactly a ball magnet, doesn't go and get it particularly much. Hmm. But if, if you can put Collier in that side as a, as a ball magnet and put him in the forward pocket or put him on a half forward flank or a wing or something like that. I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Morgan. He looks at, he mm. looks a player when I see him play. I just, I'd love to see that speed, that elite point of difference in speed. I think it will be very handy for us because we, we are playing that kind of fast paced, moving it quickly. And someone like that will be very handy. I think he's, he's not quite my man like Begley is, but I like <laughs> Morgan. I wish he, I wish he could get a game. Well, my man, Aaron Francis, um, everybody's man right there <laughs> it, is, look, and, I think and most women's every man. fan talks about Aaron Francis sort of so much more than almost any other player at Essendon because man look at him like seriously he look does, at the he, kid he's a kind of a, um, a polarising kind of player because you can have one moment where he's kind of just walking past the contest and you're wondering do you know what's going on yeah. are, you, are, you, are you concentrating are you interested and then he'll do something that is rarely seen like yeah. he'll do He'll do just a, a piece of play. You go, that's... One step and he'll jump onto some dude's shoulders. Yeah. He has a... He just has so much ability. Um, look, from all reports, um, his fitness is getting better. He's running out the games better. They've obviously tried to develop him in the back line again the last two or three weeks. Yeah. And they've been More really, hands on the ball. I like that. They've been really pleased with how he's been shutting down his opponent. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's an interesting one because as a part of a development, you don't sort of really get to understand we sometimes get a little bit over the top on stats but if he if if the club is really happy with him how he's shutting down an opponent then that's a really important part like that's your def- you're a defender and you're shutting down your opponent yeah. so he he'll probably go to the next level hopefully and because he's a, a great cutoff mark so intercept marking his was probably his when we drafted him was his big sort of skill um so is he is he gonna be one of those guys uh, i remember you were telling me recently that they the vfl and all the Essendon footy club were saying we're putting kyle langford and we're leaving him in the vfl for a while so that he can get 30 touches so that he gets that experience of having a lot of touches in the vfl as opposed to coming up to the afl learning 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 and only getting his 10 12 touches is aaron francis an afl footballer and you've got to bring him up to the AFL and let him learn in the AFL as opposed to putting him in the VFL for too long and 
is he a big game player is what I'm trying to say like is he yeah the kind of it's, guy it's, it's a very in? hard one it's like it's sort of split half the fans really want him to be elevated to the seniors now to get that experience but I'm sure the club is probably thinking a little bit like Langford um, and, and playing him in his ideal position like as a key center half back so he can develop and learn that role to the best of his to the sort of the best of his ability. Yeah. Now that's why they put Langford in the middle in the VFL. So he can actually play that Joe Watson role because he can't in the seniors because he's not going to replace a Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah, good so, point. Yeah, good point. So if you play him in the VFL in the role you want him to play eventually in the seniors, you can develop him really well. Yeah. And and at the moment the team's going quite well, so it's just I'm I'm quite okay with them just yeah, keep developing him. Retirement. Retirements. Who's going to go? Uh, look, it's a. I, I hate talking about these subjects. Yeah, right, right. I've got to talk about it because it's been questioned. Um, look, I think it's a, it's a pretty much a given that um, Brett Brent and Stan. No, I'm sorry, Brent. Brent and Sanderson. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's, I can't even say it. I, I even hate to think he's leaving. I know. Right? St- Stanton, obviously. Um, he's look. He's one of my all-time favorite players and one of my favorite people at the club. Yeah. When you talk to him, his character the way he represents the club in everything he does. So, unfortunately, I, I think even he knows himself where, where yeah. things are at. Um, th- there's obvious guys who are got the one-year yeah. deal this year. Yeah, there's obvious guys like the Hawkins and, and maybe Howlett. Um, I think Howlett. Um, there's some guys that they'll, they'll need to actually... The hard part is... It's a ruthless business, and you're yeah. going to recruit six kids at the end of the year, and so you got to you got to free up six places or six or eight yeah. places. So and again, so it's dangerous because someone like Morgan, yeah, could. Yeah, maybe. there's going to be one or two kids that 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 might just get the the cutoff. Um, but look, I think I think we can see where some some are heading. Um, but I hope um, the club does their utmost best to honour them. Because yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, guys like Stanton, Hocking, if if it's for some reason they they do retire in the new year, then I want it to be a big thing because these guys through the saga have actually carried themselves so brilliantly. Um, they've represented the club so well, and you can always hear my passion in my voice when I talk about this because I just love these guys and they're the heart and soul of the club. So for my wish is that um, that Essendon just honour them in the best way possible yeah, and, and fans I reckon they will. and fans just cheer them on as much as they can absolutely and some people like Stanton and, and Hocking they've done a lot of the hard yards for this club they've been on a lot of bottom of the packs um, and I think they absolutely deserve um, and, yeah, the and, right exit and if for some other reason let's hope not that we are out of the finals and there's a game to go oh, put them in yeah absolutely so yeah alright so the next question we've got it's from a well-known supporter of, es- uh, of Essendon social media in Heath Lyons who asks about Tom Bell Chambers' form and that maybe uh, he's finally fulfilling his potential. Well, Tom's... T- <laughs> Look, I'm going to be the very first person to admit this, that I had Lawnberger as our number one ruck and I was pretty sort of concrete on it, to be honest, because I, I... Let's all face it, like, Bell Chambers was struggling even before... The, uh, the suspension. Um, he was just not firing. His body was breaking down. And I just didn't think Bell Chambers was going to come back to how he has. But trust me, I am more than pleased he has. Cause oh, I, I he, agree. I mean, 
to beat Grundy on the on the weekend, that's a big call. Like that's he was dangerous up forward. He's he's jumping into packs. He's really physical and, and throwing his weight around a little bit Mumford like. Yep. Um so I'm just so impressed with how he's he's come back. So here's a controversial part for you, and we've spoken about this earlier as well. Um his his point of difference and the thing that makes him a, a a great Rackman for me and the thing that he hasn't done for a while in my opinion is that jumping leaping ability he he's a great tap Rackman when he can jump at the ball and he can get his hands on it first and get it to the opposition can he maintain that level of athleticism throughout the year and I guess the reason why I ask that question is because it's a long it's a long time he's his body hasn't been super reliable throughout the whole year and I I don't know, I, I just got... And I don't want to speak ill of Belly because I love the man, but I just saw something on the weekend a few times around the ground. He looked a bit tired. He looked a bit tired in the ruck contest, um, whereas Leuenberger, to me, runs out the games better. I think everybody would agree that, but it's around the grounds, Leuenberger looks like a better tap ruckman. I just wonder whether... I hope, I absolutely I hope, don't get me wrong, that Belly can maintain this kind of form that he's in, but... It's incredibly handy to have Leuenberger just sitting there doing nothing. How Not doing nothing, playing VFL. But um, how long can we keep Leuenberger playing in the VFL? He didn't come down from Brisbane to play VFL. No, well, um, but I'm a little bit ruthless. It's, you know, if, if you play the best ruckman, to play the person in form. Um, at the moment, Bell Chambers is clearly the, in the better form. I found it interesting Leuenberger was rested for the VFL game. I just wondered if they may think Belly is a bit tired and this may be the week to have a rest. Maybe. Um, but... Do you know what I'd love to see? And this may never happen. Do you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see... Because Rewalt worries me next week. Rewalt's worried me for 15 seasons or however long he's played now, but Rewalt worries me. And every team, yeah. Um, Ambrose, not available. Brown, not available. Hartley will just have his legs run off by, um, uh, by Rewalt. Um, who's the matchup? Who's the matchup, right? So what I'm thinking, mm. I don't know. What I'm thinking is, if we put Leuenberger in the in the, the side as a dedicated full uh, as a dedicated forward, right? Bell Chambers in the ruck, Leuenberger in the forward fifty, inside forward fifty, swapping as each other get tired through the ruck, and move Hooker down back to deal with uh, Rewalt. Not that he would run with Rewalt, but put Hooker down back for that one game to help out in defence. I'd almost be interested in it, but the problem was now with memory being suspended, they're, now they're a little bit shorter up forward. So I think the Hurley on Rewalt will probably happen. Oh, okay. Um, that's my gut feel. Um, and Hartley... He's going to need some, He's gonna need a hand, though. And Hartley may go into a McCartan if he comes in. Yeah. Um, um, but if McCartan doesn't come in, they're very... Then they're, they they're, have to. They're a little they? bit like Collingwood. They're very small. Well, McCartan's just had some concussion problems, so yeah, it's, it's not from talent. It's just if, if they, the medical clear him, then he'll probably play. Um, so, but, I uh, no, I think you stick to the, the same, the yeah, same okay. setup. It was, it's a Hail Mary you, kind of thing. Because I want them to worry about our forward line with Stuart, Hooker, yeah. and, uh, and Joey. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, next question, JL on Twitter asks about the news of Essendon possibly looking into a home stadium for the future at the True Value Centre in, in Tullamarine. I love the idea. 
Yeah, well, this came out a little bit cheekily in an article, but I think Xavier on Twitter kind of hosed it down a little bit. Um, but that's a lot of dough. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of dough. For a club that's no mean in debt, that's, yeah, uh, let, let's, I'm let's, not sure we're there yet. Let's not go too nuts, I don't think. Uh, but I look, I love the idea. And look, it'll be a tough one to sell. There's a lot of... A lot of Essendon fans in the eastern suburbs, like you and I, um, yeah, and we know a lot of our friends who are Essendon suburbs. Yep. So, look, Tullamarine is a far away place. Like, when I go to training, it's <laughs> it's it's an hour and twenty minutes, yeah. you know, drive. Um, so it's you have to be pretty dedicated. Uh, so it, it's an interesting one. But the I guess the other good thing is for interstate people. Hey, if you have a home game at Tullamarine, you fly in and you're at the game. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, um, but. I love the idea, but it's a little bit of... It, it's it's long-term, it's well and truly long-term. Touch term. unrealistic. Let's, yeah. just, let's just pay off the debt. Let, let, yeah, <laughs> just, let's pay off the debt. Let's win, what, three flags in five years, and then we'll start talking about home games at Tullamarine. I'll be happy with that. Yep. All right, so the next one, let's wrap up on the Essendon subject and, uh, and, and get a question from the lovely Feisty. Um, good friend, asked, Feisty. Yes, indeed. Um, she's asked on what we think of the current split-buy format. Very technical, feisty. Should we keep it up or should we just have every team having the week off? Uh, what do we also think of the week's rest before the finals? So what I did was I actually tweeted a, tweeted out, tweeted. I've got my you English tweeted, done. Yeah. I tweeted out a bit of a poll on this. So I got the fans. Oh, look, the first ever <laughs> lunchtime catch-up poll. I like it. So um, look. What's the results of those polls, Scotty? <laughs> so look, we have 69% who actually just want every team just to, after round 11 to just have a week off. They'd rather just say, let's not go over three rounds and have, you know, whatever it is. Six, yeah, six yeah, yeah. Split, split. Scattered games. Odds, scattered and, games. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure people really like still the, the week off before the finals. Uh, I think it plays well into our hands this year if we make it. Yeah. So selfishly, let's keep it this year. I'll take it this year, um, yeah, yeah. But I actually understand that argument. I, I, it makes for a better final series, but we all saw with the Doggies finishing seventh that week off because they were injury prone for most of the year yeah. to actually have that rest and then they really it was relaunched absolutely worth um, it uh, I just don't think it it was sort of made it too equal the competition yeah. it makes a better spectacle and I'm sure that's the and a- that's what the AFL wants that's what the AFL want but yeah. hey 69% want want the uh, the week off only 31% obviously um, like the current format so we'll, I'm going to go with the uh, 69% Roger that we'll pass that on to uh, Gil <laughs> yes. we'll pass it on to Gil somehow <laughs> I think that'll last two seconds yeah exactly right. mm-hmm. um, alright well on to other sports now let's uh, let's see what we can have a bit of a, a see what we got here uh, Ned on Twitter Ned great name you don't hear Ned very often. No, um, not since Simpsons. No, not since the Simpsons or Ned Needlinger from uh, the, three, the Three Amigos. Um, on Twitter, who wants our thoughts uh, on the NBA draft, free dra- uh, free trade period, and who were the the big winners who were also on the rise and fall the next year in the NBA? Good question. Great name, Ned. <laughs> Thank you, Ned. Oh, look, Ned's obviously, uh, we talk a little bit on, uh, on NBA. So we're, uh, look, me being a Sixers fan, Sixes. I'm loving how we're going at the moment. Oh, man. We've just had the perfect off-season. Trust the process. Uh, trust the process. Uh, look, faults, great pickup, perfect need. Um, Could they have done it better? Why would Boston have let them do that? Well, I actually don't mind it for Boston. They they needed a they needed a, a proper good forward. Uh, and but they could have picked any player they wanted. They could have picked that proper good forward at the number one draft pick. True, but they, they get an extra draft pick. 
from yeah, from from Philly. So Tatum's a great player. Um, but saying that, Boston's been a bit unusual this off season. Um, just if, but even doing that, you're right. It's a little bit odd because it's a big risk. But then and you are literally having, making Philadelphia yeah. very very strong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're in the same region. So um, yeah, but they have obviously had these huge names being brought up for trade. They've got so many first round draft picks and in assets. Philly? No, this is Boston, oh, Boston yeah. to actually trade f- for superstars. And it's just got concerning for me that if I was a Boston fan, that the guys like Paul George and all these guys n- didn't just, want to go to Boston. Boston just weren't going to, be, to Boston. Yeah, because it's Boston we're talking and about. From what I hear, from what I hear, and you can sort of sense on Twitter, Boston was sort of being a little bit arrogant about it. And um, uh, so, they, look, they've picked up Hayward, who's obviously a very good player, but I just don't think he's... Not a, a franchise. I just don't think in the playoffs he's going to be a big, big player for you. So... I'm just a little bit. If I was a Boston fan, I'd be a little bit. Eh, we've done. We're a little bit better team now, but yeah. but are we going to sort of be match the top three? I don't think so. But no. look out for Houston. So okay. even, even today, um, the talk is that Carmelo Anthony may go over to Houston, and if he joins Paul and um, and Harden, then look out because. I would actually think for the first time Golden State just might have a little bit of a... So they got, what, Harden, Chris Paul, and Mello. And Mello, so... They got that's, a, that, a decent, that's, that's a decent um, front court. Yeah, so they're, they're obviously finished quite high this year. Harden's taken his game to a new level. Uh, Paul's a very, very clever operator. And you sense with Carmelo Anthony, once he knows he could be in that sort of top echelon as far as playoffs... He might really come to shine, and he's. I think he's. I mean, Melo ain't as young as springtime anymore, but he's. He's going to be the perfect complement player to Harden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to be the man in Houston. He can be the, uh, the the Kyrie Irving. Like he can. The uh, Harden will be out there being LeBron, and Melo's going to give you twenty five to twenty eight points a game every game, and Houston will love that. Which tells you tells me again when it comes to the big losers, the New York Knicks. Oh, okay. And, now let's and I love Phil Jackson. New York Knicks. I love Phil Jackson. Phil, As a Phil, coach. Phil, As Phil. a coach. As as a GM. Oh, my goodness. Like, Seriously, Phil lost his mind. What's going on with that? Like, Porzingis is a freak. He's seven foot, what? And Three he's, yeah, or two or something? And he's considering trading him. And, it's... and he's considering trading them. For a bloke that was so mentally dialed into the Bulls and who had the, um, the zen approach to his... A team and everybody loved it and it absolutely triangle. the triangle baby and uh, all of that to just do something to even as the as the GM mention Porzingis and trade in the same breath just gets your number one player completely offside like and mention and then don't forget he mentioned Camelo Anthony just to be let go for cash so it's strange who they picked up in the draft is strange they skipped Dennis Smith Jr. I have no idea. They're going to really regret skipping Dennis Smith Jr. in that draft. Because straight away got? in the summer league, what he had, 25 the other day. He looks awesome, Dennis Smith Jr. He was a guy I ranked in the top four. So I Where did he end up? He ended up, uh, was it eight or nine for new, for um, for the Dallas Mavericks? For the Mavs, okay. Yeah, so that, they, look, they won that one. So. And they've signed, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, for his 88th season. Um, at the Mavs. Oh, um, um, yeah, the big white guy. <laughs> oh my lord, uh, I forgot his name. 
Um, the coming. enormous white German bloke. <laughs> we should really know that name off the top of our head. It's a second podcast, uh, listeners. Just uh, bear with us. Um, but they've signed in for an extra, like, yeah, yeah. An- another season. So I think New York, one of the, in fact, no, not one of the biggest losers. That was the biggest loser of the draft. Like, that was that was silly. They had the opportunity to draft a great player. They've got Paul Zingas offside. Mello's probably going to go, I don't know of another name in New York. Mm. Another decent name that they can build around. So it's it's total rebuild time in New York. I really like, by the way, I like what Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks are doing. Milwaukee. Yeah, <laughs> now I've got the, uh, yeah. uh, so, look, they actually just played it cool. They didn't overspend. They didn't overcommit. They got some really good young talent. Um, so I kind of like their direction. Um, but they've got a tough battle um, with the Greek freak. I think he's on a, a free agent next end of next year. So that's... That's almost me franchise time is where they go. If they can keep him and pay him, then they're, 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 um, they're a real force coming through. They've got a great young side. You look at, um, you look at uh, the Mavs on Google, type in the Mavs into Google, <laughs> every single thing is Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr., Dennis Smith Jr., Dennis Smith Jr. And Nowitzki, by the way. And Nowitzki. And Nowitzki. <laughs> That's it. Nowitzki. That's actually what I was doing on Google then. The listeners, I was just trying to grab his name and go, it's Nowitzki. It's Nowitzki. But, uh, of course it is. Big, no, big German guy. No, sorry. The huge German guy. I've uh, been around for 100 years. Um, the next question we got came from Twitter and it was from Sean Muller. He asked about the cricket contract dispute and how this may affect the Ashes campaign preparation. Well, if I feel this one... Grants, by the way, is the mad cricket fan here. So uh, I I love my cricket, but Grant, even up to last year, was playing it. So uh, he's he's the uh, expert. Well, I wouldn't call myself that, but disappointed in Cricket Australia. Really disappointed. Without going into the the thoroughly boring um, nitty gritty of the of the pay dispute, the contract dispute, the uh, the revenue sharing kind of aspects of it, the players are asking for more sharing of the wealth and it's it's pretty standard across um, a lot of sports in the world now that this is how it's it's worked the afl's trying to do it the players with the afl and the afl's done a good job and the afl's it's done a great it up, job it's yeah. done. um so it's it's not something that's unusual the cricket australia i think um has a lot of other contracts with with uh, with companies and 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 industries around the world which is affecting this process but i'm i'm a bit worried I'm a little bit worried that the players are absolutely sticking to their guns on this um, and the power shift that's going to come from where it currently re- resides within Cricket Australia, it's now going to sit with the players moving forward. Um, you'll notice that um, uh, Mitchell Stark has just signed a... Uh, because they are they are all literally unemployed. Yeah. Every cricket... Or every player that has a Cricket Australia contract is now unemployed and can sign with any... Uh, cricket side in the world with any sponsor in the world with anything they like and Mitchell Stark was the first person to do it I'd be doing it too um, Cricket Australia's got a, a sponsorship with a, a car dealer I can't remember off the top of my head what it is um, but Mitchell's just signed with Audi um, excuse me <coughs> Mitchell's just signed with Audi and um, he's signed a huge thumping great big contract with those kind of things so they're, they're moving ahead um, Davey Warner as their uh, representative is, is sticking to his guns and they're right behind him so it's the Ashes, man. It's- Do you think Cricket Australia is being a little bit arrogant with the Ashes coming up? Just saying, oh, you just want to play the Ashes so much that you'll sign. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to think that that's come directly from Cricket Australia. I reckon that would have been beat up a little bit because that would just be petrol on a flame to to say something like that. But I know cricket. I bet you Cricket Australia are relying on it. I bet you they are. Oh, that, yeah. that I mean, because the ashes, the ashes. But I'm sure England's going to get involved too, saying, uh, "Hey, can you clean up your mess?" Absolutely, because they don't want to come out here and ha- and play um, a Sheffield Shield side, which is what could happen. But. Wiser heads are going to prevail in a moment, I bet you. Uh, I bet you a million bucks. Wiser heads will prevail in a moment. And um, I, I predict the players will get what they want um, on this. Out of curiosity, who is your favourite Australian player? Do you have one? Um, my favourite Australian Well, who do you like to watch if someone comes out and you go, do you like bowling or batting? Uh, I'm a, I'm a ba- I like batting. I'm for a some batsman. reason, yeah, for me, Davey Warner, it's a bit like watching Gilchrist. Like, I, you go, I love guys. You go, I don't know what's going to happen next. You could just hit. Do you know why I like Davey Warner? Because when he first started, he's got an eye of like an eagle. The man can see the ball from a million miles away and he gets into position quickly enough that he can do what he, he does every, every match. But when he first started, he was a slogger. And that's fine. He was an educated, well, uh, a slogger with a great eye. But what he was, he's been smart enough to do is take the ability to hit the ball clean out of the middle of the of the bat and actually play normal cricket shots. He doesn't try to hit the first ball back over your head. He just leans on it with that massive bat of his and it goes along the ground at a million miles through cover and he's when the ball's in a bad place, he'll put it over the fence. But he's been great in that he's tr- he's he's calmed down a little bit. Not every ball has to go over the fence and now he's a very very dangerous in the sort of same mold as Matty Hayden. Matty Hayden Knew how to play the, the the ball along the ground when it needed to be, but when when he was in a mood or when the bowler wasn't doing anything with it, he, he put it in the next Thursday. But the bloke, I must admit, the bloke that I like watching the most when he's swinging the ball is Mitchell Stark. Uh, I mean, okay, yeah. left arm coming in at one. Those Yorkers, yeah, the Yorkers, man, and. It, I lament swing bowling. I really do. I lament the demise of swing bowling. If Mitchell Stark can't swing the ball, like Mitchell Stark can swing a Rubik's Cube, right? <laughs> Seriously, he's he's that kind of action and he's got the, the skill to swing a Rubik's Cube. So I don't know what's going on with... I know the swing requires overcast conditions and, and, and the right kind of conditions, but... The ball swings for two overs now, and then it's and then it's. Well, done. a lot of people used to mention it was the Kookaburra ball. Like the English ball was was just so much more. And Anderson from England. Anderson is he's a one forty bowler, tops one forty three four in his day, which was is nippy. But the fact that the swing, that late swing from Anderson, he even now he's he's half busted. I mean, he's he's on his way out, but. Um, he can get that at 135 to 138 now, that late swing. But Mitchell, Mitchell Stark off a long run up at Brisbane uh, with a brand spanking new ball on over number three, not even one because he hasn't fired up yet. The first ball on number of over number three would be a nightmare of a batsman, for a batsman. It would absolutely scare you to death. Um, but yeah, no, hopefully, the, hopefully the cricket thing gets sorted out real fast. Um, I definitely will be watching about that. So, one thing we uh, one thing we wanted to do we're we're getting I think we're close to the end now I think uh, one thing we wanted to do was just something a bit different um, we wanted to uh, do our review of the week and we're going to need to put a jingle in there I think or something for the next podcast but we're going to do our movie review of the week and this week we want to look at the uh, I described it as 
as one of the most important films DC will make in the next 10 years. Wonder Woman. What did you think? Well, I must admit, the trailer didn't do much for me. So I, I came Inspirational in... music. Good music. <laughs> I came into it with a little bit less expectation. Um, but you've, I you've was... seen Batman vs. Superman, yeah? Where she was introduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, See, I've seen I that. I liked it. I don't, I don't mind. I didn't <laughs> mind it. But look, I love that they went on the English his- histories kind of angle. Um, so I it really, gave some context. Yeah, for it, it gave some context. It actually gave it a bit of meat. Um, look, she did really well, actually. Um, it it was surprisingly one of the better movies of the year. So, yeah. um, and they had to get that right. I mean, controversially, and and I'll I'll skirt the uh, uh, <laughs> with my huge knowledge of the uh, of of feminism and all that stuff. They had to get Wonder Woman right. She had to be strong. She had to be feminine. She had to be intelligent, and all of the all of the aspects of what she's been in the in the cartoons. They had to find the right Wonder Woman, and they had to be they had to be respectful of all of those factors, but also show her as strong and intelligent and and beautiful and all of those things that Wonder Woman is. And I actually think they nailed it. They nailed that part of showing that uh, and Gal Gadot was the person that did it she's breathtaking to look at but um, they've they've given her enough storyline enough uh, backstory with with at uh, like Theramacia where she's from um, I think they did really well the one element that I didn't like particularly much is that where do they go from the god of war they they killed off she fought the god of war like this this supposedly after that there's no more god of war if she faces snoke i'm out of here i know right who else has she got apart from darth vader who else could she kill really i mean i understand where she's coming from and they 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 fought the god of war and it's very impressive it's the god of war. <laughs> Where do they go from there? Um, they also had me torn her on her sword. I, they had me totally. I didn't know what the hell they were doing with that because this was this fabled sword that was there and that she stole it, and all of a sudden, it just disintegrated. So, oh look, I, I think they did really well. It's, a really it solid first effort. Yeah. Really solid first effort. It um, from a lot of the reviews on the internet, it um, is basically people are saying that it saved DC because Batman versus Superman could have been better i didn't mind it it's not exactly kramer versus kramer but it's um yeah, I, I didn't mind it come on it's batman and superman in the same film it's cool hey i tell you what though just left field i actually just watched spider-man homecoming oh i'm go to the movies i'm gonna um i'm gonna give that a big four and a half stars oh i that's an that surprised me and you will like it i know this as my best friend because it has a whole lot of references to John Hughes films like Ferris Bueller, oh. Breakfast Club. So he's, actually, he's a kid, yeah. He's actually done a bit of a tribute to John Hughes. Um, so there's a lot of references and jokes that are in the sort of from the Ferris Bueller Breakfast Club and all those kind of cool old movies. And they've done it really fun, really fresh. Um, I really liked it. I was like, we both, uh, me and the, the lovely wife. The good lady, yep. Um, yeah, we loved it. So, and I wasn't expecting much at all, to be honest. So I was actually wondering why they were doing it. <laughs> but, because the, the one, um, what was it, only 95, 96, when they sort of did yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. remake, uh, that was one of the best movies yeah. that came out of that genre. I thought, yep. oh, with Kirsten Dunst. And, Rated through the roof, yeah, box office a, record. That first, that first movie was fantastic. So, yeah. look, I was really, I was really um, 
pleasantly surprised. So I, it's a bit of my uh, um, highly recommend. It's a Scotty hit pick. It's a Scotty hit pick. Nice. Well, we might. Uh, I think we might uh, do a bit of a regular review of the movies that we've watched because we haven't even touched Star Wars yet. Both of Scotty and it I. It helps are. if it comes out. Well, that's also very true, but I mean, we've had two. We've had two that we could talk for a good solid six or seven hours on. Um, we might need to do a Star Wars themed one. Um, but uh, I think that brings us to the end of the podcast today. Yep. Um, uh, number two, what did, you, what did you think, Scotty? How do you reckon we did? Well, um, I'm just really wrapped that um, we'll actually be able to sort of connect with the listeners, and um, that's something that we really cherish. So keep feeding the questions through. Yeah, the, the questions are brilliant. We um, to, to Sean and Feisty and, and uh, Ned, Ned Needlinger and JL and all you guys and girls, thank you very much for sending through that, uh, that info. It's, it's great to hear what you guys want, to, want us to talk about. And uh, it's, it, this has been a lot of fun for us and we're going to continue to do it because, I mean, like I said, I've known Scotty for 30-odd years and, and, and coming over to his place and having a natter for, for what, what time are we on at the moment? Eight th- uh, ten past eight. Ten past eight. So having a natter for forty-five minutes um, is uh, is pretty effortless for us, and we love doing it. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast, and um, we hope you tune in next week. See you next week, guys.